in a good way? Yeah? Oh, that's good. In, um, in worship this morning, Josh, I got a scripture for you, and it's a well-known scripture, but it's just one I wanted to remind you out about as you step into this new stage of your life, going from school into work. And it's Matthew 6.33. Like I said, it's well known, but I, I think it's for you this morning. It says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So I just encourage you to do that all the days of your life. You're a great young man, and um, your boss is lucky to have you. And you just keep working hard so he doesn't change his mind about that. That's good. Very good. Hey, well, a little bit of um, housekeeping just before I get into the message this morning. Um, a few things just want to let you know about. First thing to tell you is that next Sunday, um, Ali Martin will be preaching here, which is good. Um, I'll actually be preaching at another church in the Hunter Valley as part of my ACC role, so I won't be here, but I'm sure you'll have a great morning. Um, I know Ali's looking forward to speaking. Uh, a few weeks ago, I came back from holidays, and in the few weeks that I've been back, I've been talking with the team and walking around this place, and just lots of, um, lots of ideas have been flowing. There's been lots of conversations about, oh, what if we did this, or what if we did that? And lots of, I just think, great, as Lozzie said, creativity and innovation being spoken out. And um, I just want to um, encourage you around that and just say that, you know, on, on Sunday the 19th of February, we're having a morning called Count Me In. It's Count Me In Sunday, and we're going to do it a few times throughout the year where it's your opportunity, your place to say, you know what? I'm in. I, I want to be in financially. I want to be in, in involvement. I want to be in, in, in knowing, being part of the vision, what's going on. I'm, I'm in. Uh, uh, the details don't matter. I'm in. And so we're going to be doing that on Sunday, the 19th of February. So I encourage you to be um, praying towards that and um, we're really, I just hope that you can be here that day because it'll be a great day where we, um, as a church, just, you know, launch in. And we're already beginning, but just Sunday the 19th of February would be a great day to be in church. I hope you can be here that day. And um, I'll share more in the coming weeks. I'm not really going to do a, a Vision Sunday this year, but just over the next few weeks, maybe the next month, just be sharing with you different stuff that God's been laying on our heart, changes that are being made, different plans and things that are happening for the year. And so it's a good time to be involved and to be present and to be around. Um, a few changes, though, that I do want to announce this morning, just as we head in to 2017. And the first one is to do with our kids' ministry, with Cosmic Kids, which is our primary age kids ministry. I can um, see the bachelor doors here this morning. Andrew and Pip have um, moved to Newcastle towards the end of last year due to family reasons. And at the end of last year, I caught up with them and they said basically they felt it was time to start attending church closer to home in Newcastle. But as they were heading up our kids ministry, they didn't want to just bail on us and um, wanted to make sure that there was someone in place to take over the kids' ministry before they um, made that move for their family. So today I can announce that um, Colleen Williams will be taking over our kids' ministry as of <laughs> the week after camp. So Sunday the 12th of February will be the first Sunday. Um, that'll be the Cosmic Kids age group, which is the primary school age. Rose White is going to continue to do our Starburst Room, which is our preschool age kids. Let's give Rose a hand. She does a great job there. But just a few things. Firstly, thank you to Andrew and Pip, who have led our kids' ministry these last few years. 
Yeah, give them a hand. Especially thank you for last year. I know it was difficult for you as a family, but you stuck at it. You realized it wasn't a good time to be leaving because there was so much change and unknown going on, but they stuck through it, and I want to honor you and thank you for that. Um, we will pray for these guys when they let us know when their last Sunday will be. We'll, we'll pray them out as a family, but thank you to them. And also just want to encourage you to get behind um, Colleen. She's already, I know, been speaking to people about... Um, how they can be involved, and um, I'm excited about the days that lie ahead. So kids' program starts back the week after camp, which is Sunday the 12th of February, and um, Colleen is, is ready to recruit. She's out there. So if you're interested in kids' ministry, maybe you've got kids in primary school age, you want to talk to Colleen, then feel free to do that. I'm sure she'd love to have a chat with you. Next change, youth ministry. Now, Jeff and Jeanette aren't going anywhere, but we are making a change within youth ministry. In fact, Jeff and Jeanette's buy-in factor and commitment has been amazing the last um, season as well. So I want to thank them for that. <laughs> Lots of claps this morning. But after, actually, before I went away on holidays, but even really strongly when I came back from holidays, I felt it was time to make a change. And um, we are, as of, again, beginning of February, probably... Yeah, really, next Sunday is the last one before this all change happens. But Josh and Pip Davey are going to become our youth and young adults pastors here at Real Life Church. So they're going to be heading up youth ministry, which is high school age, but also a young adults ministry, which is launching um, soon. So they are, are going to be stepping into that. Jeff and Jeanette, like I said, aren't going anywhere. Je Jeanette in particular has got a, a huge role. And Jeff is going to just keep doing what Jeff does, being loyal and supportive and um, saying yes when we ask him to do things because he's just got a great servant heart. And um, I love that about you, Jeff. You just, no matter what, you just put your hand up, whether it's rapping on Father's Day or, um, you know what I mean, sound. When we get short on salmon, Jeff's always got his hand up and ready. And um, Jeanette's going to be doing a role within services. So it's kind of like Josh and Pip and Jeanette and Jeff have just done a swapsies. And um, that's going to be taking place again, February, that will all start. So we have these new roles. Both of them are committed to helping the other person transition into their new role and be available. But I've basically, I've told them that as of um, 1st of February, you start in your new roles, your new position, and the other person's there to help you and support you through it. Um, so those things are happening. There are going to be some more changes, but I think that's enough for one morning. And I don't know what the other ones are yet, so once I figure out what they are, we will announce them in coming weeks. Um, I do want to say, though, that the staff and the um, team, some of them paid, some of them volunteer, have been amazing the last 12 months. The um, ability to go with the flow and to be resilient and to stay in there and be committed and just be, say, I'm part of the team. Even if you want to change what role I'm playing, I'm still part of the team and it's been amazing. And I would love to pay them all for all that they do. And I believe that as we grow, we will endeavor to do that. But I just want to honor and thank them for not only last year, but also their great heart in saying we're ready for the changes that come. And you know, it's one thing to say, hey, we're ready for change and then have that change dramatically affect your role in your life and still have a good attitude about it. Um, it's, it's a credit to them, to every one of the staff and team. Um, thank you for all of that. Who likes change? Yeah? Who likes change when you get to make it? 
Who likes change when other people make it for you? Not so much. One change you may have noticed, um, we started last Sunday. If you came a little bit late, you won't even know of this change. But if you were here early in particular, you'll notice that the last few rows of church, we are covering with material and putting bollards in place. Basically, we're making room for more. We're making room so that we can all fit in together. Last week, I, I shared the maths about there's about nearly 200 chairs in this building. And around about 150, 160 people usually, I think last week might have been 170 people in the room. So there's enough chairs for the people in the room. And so what we want you to do is fill from the front. There's still a few empty seats here. I know that the, uh, well, I was just sitting with all your friends, Zaya. Even the kids have left. The, the thing for me, though, is about church is this. Church is not going to the movies. When I walk into the movies, I look for an empty row. Anyone else? Look for an empty row where you've got a little bit of room, but that's not what church is about. Because movies is you go to watch a show and be entertained, but church, I believe, is something that you are involved in and participate in. And so that's why we sit together as a community. And I know some of you need an aisle because you have a pram or there's health issues or different things, and that's okay. Our Here to Help team are here to help you, funny enough, but they need your help and your um, participation just to... Um, let them help you. So if you could honour those bollards and materials, it just helps us fit everyone in and make room for those that might not have been able to get here on time. So if you could keep doing that. Last week you were great, and I'm sure you were great again this Sunday. And if you weren't, there's always next Sunday to get it right. So um, <laughs> that'd be good. All right, enough housekeeping. Let's get into the message. Luke chapter 5 we're going to go to today. Just before I go, Jack, do you reckon you could move your stuff off the stage, mate? <laughs> Thanks. All right, Luke chapter 5. Let's pray and then I'll read. God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, God, that you want to speak to us. We thank you, God, that your word is alive and active and has the ability to change our hearts when we let it, God. So, God, Holy Spirit, we are open, we are listening, we are attentive, and we want to be changed and transformed by the power of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and he said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with them. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. 
And as soon as they landed, they left everything they had and followed Jesus. I want to share with you from this passage this morning just some things that I think God wants to say to us as a church. I, I, I got this passage of Scripture probably in about late November, early December last year, and I've been waiting for the, um, this Sunday to be able to share it with you. Because in this passage, Jesus is looking for a place from where he can speak to the crowd that had gathered to listen to him. He doesn't have a stage. He doesn't have a pulpit. He doesn't have a, a ministry or a website or anything like that. He's just looking for an opportunity for a place where he can speak to the people that want to hear from him. And he finds two empty fishing boats. And the thing I love about that is that Jesus can speak at any time and any place. Not only in the Bible, but here today. He can speak to you on a Monday. He can speak to you on a Sunday. He can speak to you anytime, anywhere, any place. On a fishing boat, in your car on the way to work, when you're picking up kids from school, whatever it is that you might be doing, when you're doing the groceries, God can speak to you. And Jesus spoke in this place from two fishing boats. The two boats are empty because the fishermen have left their boats on the shore while they wash their nets. What, what do you do when you're done fishing and you're finished for the day? You wash your nets, you clean up, you pack up. They're done for the day. And we read in this passage, it says that they fished all night. They worked and they toiled and they caught nothing. Now, I want you to get this for a minute. This isn't just some fishing story. Some guys on holidays have gone fishing. They didn't catch anything, but they're just mucking around, cleaning up their nets, joking around with each other, telling stories about the one that got away, the one that they had on the line, but they just couldn't quite reel in. That's my experience of fishing anyway. But it's not a, a joking matter. They're not talking about going to the co-op and buying some fish and showing their wife what they caught that day so they can be allowed to go out the next time to make it worth their while. This is their livelihood. This is their job. This isn't just a recreational fishing experience. This is their, their, their hard-earned time and effort. They've worked all night and seen no reward. It's like a salesman working all day and not making any sales. You ever had one of those days where everything you try, you work hard all day, you put all your effort in and nothing seems to have worked? There doesn't seem to be any fruit or any reward, or any return for the effort that you've put in that day. Can you imagine the frustration they might have? Can you imagine how discouraged they might be, or depressed they might be, or just down they might be? They're standing around, packing up their nets, cleaning up their nets, because they're done fishing for the day, because nothing they've tried has worked that day. And it's into that situation that Jesus now comes and asks for a favor. Jesus now comes and says, Simon, who later he renames to Peter, says, can I use your boat? I need your boat as a pulpit today. If that's me, that's the last thing I want to do. If I've worked hard all night and caught no fish and now I'm packing up ready to go home, I want to go home. I want to go to bed and I'm done. But Peter or Simon in this place, he's asked by Jesus and he says, can I use it? And we read that Jesus uses Simon's boat as a place from which he speaks to the crowd that day. So even in his frustration, even in his disappointment, even in his discouragement, he still lets Jesus into his boat. And he still lets Jesus use his boat for Jesus' purposes. We aren't told anything about what Jesus teaches or speaks about that day. We're given no reference in this story about what the message was about, what was so important that he had to go out in a boat to tell the people. It's like the writer doesn't even focus on that. But what he does focus on is that Simon let Jesus into his boat that Simon allowed him into his workplace. 
Simon allowed him into the place where he's at work and saying, yeah, come in. You're invited in this place. Simon allows him into his place of frustration and his place of discouragement and says, no, Jesus, you're allowed in. I listened to a podcast this week. Stephen Furtick said this, Jesus will go wherever he is invited. And that's what happens when you make a decision to follow Jesus. When you make a decision to invite Jesus into your heart, he doesn't force his way in. He doesn't demand his way in. He simply stands there and he asks and he waits for the invitation. Revelation 3.20 says this, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. When you make a decision to follow Jesus, it's you responding. Jesus is there. He's available. He's, he's paid the price. He's done everything for you, but it's up to you to receive it. But he doesn't force his way in on you. And later on today, when I finish, I will give you an opportunity. If you're here this morning and you don't know who Jesus is and you're not in relationship with him, I'll give you an opportunity to respond to that invitation. But it's on you. It's up to you. It's our choice. The day I made a decision to be a Christian, I responded personally to the offer that Jesus was giving of eternal life. He doesn't force his way in. For the rest of you, though, here that, are, that you know, you've already made that decision. You've made a decision to follow Jesus. You've allowed him into your heart. I want to ask you this morning, is there any areas of your life where you haven't let Jesus in? If Jesus goes wherever he's invited, is he invited everywhere? Is he invited into your workplace? Is he invited into your football team? Is he invited into your home? Is he invited into your frustrations? Is he invited into your hurt and your disappointment? Is Jesus invited into every area and every aspect of your life? Last week we had Steve Blake preaching here and he spoke about being naturally supernatural, about just being in tune and being open and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, much like what Lozzie said at the start of today, being in step with the Spirit and listening. See, when you're doing that, the mundane, the ordinary things of life can become miraculous and can become supernatural. These two fishing boats, this fishing boat became a place where Jesus spoke simply because they allowed Jesus into their space. For them, it was their workplace and they allowed Jesus in and said, Jesus, have your way in my workplace. He can use the ordinary, the mundane to do the miraculous if we would just let him in. Is there any areas of your life where if you're truthful and you're honest, you're kind of like, no, that's, this is my church world and my God world, but this is my, my work world or my career or my sport or my recreation. Now, Jesus wants in every area of your life. He wants to be involved in every aspect of your world. There's not days where you switch off. No, this isn't a Jesus day today. No, it's, it's 24-7 that we let him in. Further to this, is Jesus allowed into your place of disappointment and frustration? You know, the thing that um, I find interesting is the boats were left empty on the shore. They were done fishing, but that's the exact place that Jesus wanted to come. And maybe, just maybe, there's a truth in that, that he comes into the empty places, that when we're full of stuff and we're full of things, we've got no room for him. But when our boats are empty, there's actually room for him to come in. You know, it's so much easier to fill a cup that's got nothing in it than if there's already stuff there and you've got to get it out of the way. You know, being empty sometimes is not a bad thing. These boats were empty, and the emptiness spoke of their frustration and their disappointment. But it's into that place that Jesus came. Maybe your frustrations and your disappointments have left you feeling empty and discouraged this morning. Can I encourage you to let Jesus into that space? Can you let Jesus into that, that, that spot? I was talking with 
Pip and Josh through the week about a youth ministry policy for hugging. And she was told that when they were younger, there was a, a saying that said, when you hug someone, you have to say, is there room for Jesus? I.e. Jesus has got to be in between you. It's a very corny Christian thing to do. But as I was preparing this message, I was thinking that exact question. Is there room for Jesus? Is there room for Jesus in your world, in your life, in the good things and the bad things? Is there room for him in your boat? If he comes asking for it, would you let him in? Would you make room for him? Only you know the answer to this. After Jesus finished speaking, he turns his attention to Simon. And don't miss this. This is important. Because after using the boat for his purpose and his cause, he now has a plan to benefit Simon's cause and Simon's purpose. Listen to what Jesus says. He gives him another instruction. He says, go out where it is deeper. Let down your nets to catch some fish. Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Verse 6, and this time the nets were so full of fish they began to tear. And shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. You know, the reward or the consequence of letting Jesus into your life and obeying him is like nothing else you will experience in this life. You know, it's, it's like nothing Simon had seen before. It says that the fishermen were amazed. Now, they've fished nearly all their life. They've seen days with big catches of fish and they've seen days with little catches of fish. For them to be amazed about the catch of fish means it's something that's never happened before. It's something they've never experienced or seen before, the amount of fish that were caught that day. It blew their mind away. It exceeded everything that they'd ever experienced before because God did something bigger and beyond anything they could have imagined or experienced before. And as a Christian, 1 Corinthians 2.9 is for you. It says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. God loves exceeding your expectation of Him. God loves exceeding the, the picture that you have of Him. He loves going above and beyond it and, and blowing our minds with what He is capable of. And I believe this morning, are there any of you here that are self-employed? You've got a business, you're self-employed. Just give me a wave. Yep, I see you. I reckon this is a word for you this morning. I believe that the word is this, that as you let Jesus into your boat, i.e. your business, you let your business be used for his cause and his purposes, you watch him then turn his attention from, say, okay, he'll say, yeah, you've let me use your boat and your business for my purpose. Now I'm going to put my attention to your cause and your purpose. You watch and stand and be amazed at how God not only works through you, but blesses you as you surrender your life to him and say, God, this isn't my business anymore. It's your business. And you let him work through it, not only for your family's benefit, but for others so that it can be used for his kingdom and his glory. You know, let him into your boat. This was their workplace and they let him in and he did a great thing that day. That great catch of fish came out of Simon following Jesus' instructions. First of all, the first instruction that he obeyed was he let him in the boat. But secondly, he threw their nets down once again. Remember, go to this place, fished all night, caught nothing, left the boats, disappointed and discouraged, cleaning the nets, finished, done, ready to go home. And now Jesus is telling them not only to go out in the boat again, but to go fishing again. Have you ever done this? Have you ever washed the dishes at home? I know that's a regular occurrence for you. But have you ever washed the dishes at home, finished it all up, wiped the bench down, let the sink out, ready to walk away, and someone walks in with a dirty plate and places it right there next to you? 
Have you ever experienced that? Do you know the pain and frustration of that moment right there? It's like, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm leaving this place. And now you want me to go again? Now, this is just one little plate as an example, but that's the kind of frustration or feeling of being asked to go out again and fish again after they've finished. It's done. But now you want me to go out again. And worse, worse still, this is Jesus, a carpenter, telling fishermen how to fish. I have not yet met a tradie who likes being told what to do by someone from another trade. I don't, I don't think I've found a trader yet that likes being told what to do by anyone, but let alone someone from another trade. A plumber does not tell an electrician how to do his job, do they? But Jesus tells Simon Peter to go out and fish again. And Simon makes his case, but he says, you know what, we've fished all night. We've tried, we've done that. But he says something incredibly powerful. If you say so, I'll let the nets down again. If you say so, I'll let down, I'll let the nets down again. Do you know when it comes to obeying God, you are not responsible for the outcome. So many times we think I'll obey him because I can see the, the fruit of that or the benefit of that. That's on him. What's on you and me is the obeying part. The outcome and the consequence and the end result, that's on him. Our job is simply to obey. And that's what Simon Peter does in this situation. He goes, you know what? I've fished all night. It didn't work. I'm the fisherman. You're not. But because you say so, I will do it. Because you give the word, I'll do it. It makes no sense, but I will do it. I think some of us, though, can relate to Simon in this story. Maybe in your life, maybe in your church experience, maybe in your relationships, whatever it is, you've worked hard. You've tried something. You've had a go but right now you're done. It didn't work. You've pulled your boat up onto the shore, you're cleaning your nets, and you're ready to go home. You know, I can relate to that. 12 months ago, that's probably where I was at. Done. Ready to give up. Worked hard for something for 16 years, and then all of a sudden it finished beyond my control. And I was at that place of going, you know what? I'm going to pack up my nets and get a real job. Do something else. But it was in that moment that I felt God saying, you know what, I'm not done. I'm not done. There's still more to do. It wasn't time to quit. It wasn't time to finish. And maybe that's you this morning. You want to quit. You're ready to quit. But you know it's not time to quit. You know that God is speaking to you saying, hey, can I get in your boat? Can we use it again? Would you, would you put down your nets again and try again? Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in a work endeavor. Maybe, like I said, it's in your experience of being involved in church. You've been hurt. You've been disappointed. People have let you down. And you're like, you know, that's not me. That, that ship has sailed. I'm looking for another one. And maybe, just maybe, God's speaking to you this morning. And he's saying it's not time to quit. It's actually time to try again. It's actually time to go deeper than you've ever gone before. It's actually time to have another go. I believe my message this morning, I haven't given you a title yet, is called Try Again. And I believe that's a word for us. The scripture I believe God gave us as a church for 2017 was this one that we've already read. Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. 
You know, you can, you can do that even if you've tried it before. Yesterday, as I was preparing again for, to preach this morning, I felt God give me um, an, another word. So he gave me that scripture, but then he gave me these words that just went on top of it. And it was this. It was second wind. I was like, second wind? I know what a second wind is. When I was in high school, I was terrible at sprinting, but I was good at long distance. And I used to love, in a long distance race, running past the people that sprinted the first 200 metres, just in front of the crowd, and they get around the bend, and then they just walk. And I love running past them in the endurance racing. The problem was, when you went to, um, what was it, you go to zone and then regional, they didn't stop sprinting. They just sprinted the whole six kilometres of cross country. I was like, oh, that's why you're going to state and I'm going back home. But anyway, <laughs> I know what a second wind is. And I looked it up to make sure that I knew. And I love the definition of it. Listen to what it says. The first definition is this. A person's ability to breathe freely during exercise after having been out of breath. And maybe this morning you've had experience where you feel like you're out of breath, where you're done, where you're finished and you're ready to give up. And this morning, I believe that not by anything special that I say or do, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll have the ability to breathe freely again. You'll have the ability to breathe freely and naturally, not being forced, but just a freedom, a freedom to breathe and be who you are. And the second definition, a new strength or energy to continue something that is an effort. A new strength and energy is available for us. Again, empowering of the Holy Spirit. There's still an effort required, but there's a strength for it. You know, I was saying in the prayer meeting before, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you're in a battle. Everything doesn't just go your way. There's resistance sometimes. But as a Christian, you have the energy and you have the strength to go through that battle, to go th push past that resistance. No matter what comes against you, no matter what comes against us as a church, we have the energy to push through it because God is giving us a second wind. I really want to claim that this morning as a church that we are breathing in and we are receiving that second wind this morning. Church, I believe it's time to try again with new strength, with new energy. We can't let phrases like this stop us from trying again. These phrases, I'll, I'll, I'll still love you, but I will, I will say something to you. We've tried that before and it didn't work. You can think that, but please don't say it. <laughs> I'm not saying we're not going to learn from the past. You know, past is good for teaching us. But we're not going to let the past dictate our future. We're going to learn from it. We're going to go from it. But we're going to try again. I believe, like I said, our future is to go deeper than we've ever gone before. When you go deeper, you get completely out of your comfort zone. You get completely out of the place where you don't, where you don't have a clue what you're doing and that's okay. Because you're in step with the Holy Spirit and listening to His voice and what he's saying. That's what I believe that God is saying to us as a church. Try again. Go deeper. Breathe in that second wind and do what I've called you to do. As far as I'm aware, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but this has not changed. Matthew 28, 18 to 20 is still true for us today. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's what we're called to do as a Christian. Very simply, go and make disciples of all nations, of all people. That's our mandate, 
That's our calling. And with that mandate in mind, we're presented with a choice. We have a choice this morning, not only as a church, but also individually. We can pack up and go home, keep cleaning our nets, we're done. Or we can go out in the boat again, where it's deeper, even to the place where we've tried before and it hasn't worked. We're led by him to deeper waters. You know, there's another statement that I will um, still love you, but disagree with you on if you say it. And it's this, we've always done it this way. I love you, but I disagree. You may have done it that way and we'll learn from that. I'm not saying we're going to change everything and we're not going to do anything that we've ever done before. But I am saying we have to be prepared to try new things. You know, this scripture, Isaiah 43, 19, has been spoken over and over and over again over our church. I'm about to do something new. I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Then it stands to reason that we can't just keep doing what we've always done. If God is something doing something new, then we need to follow that something new. And we need to be prepared to try new things. Is anyone up for new things? For things where they're out of their depth and they don't know what they're doing. In their personal world, in their work, in their business, in church. Stepping out, or not stepping out, but going out into the deeper water and trusting God that he has got us. That he is in our boat. You know, God did something new with Simon and the other fishermen in this story. Jesus gave Simon a taste, just a small taste of what it was like when God is in your boat. His fishing boat was used for God's purpose and as a result, there was a huge catch of fish that day. But then the whole point of this, at the end of it, Simon is called by Jesus to a new place, to a higher calling, to tell people the good news about Jesus, a calling that Simon and the other fishermen instantly respond to. It says as soon as their boats return to the shore, they left that huge catch of fish. They didn't even bother taking it to the market, selling it, getting some money ready and then follow Jesus. No, they left instantly because Jesus had changed them that day. Jesus had given them a small taste of what it was like to have him in your boat, to have him purposing and working together with him. And so they were changed from that day on. From that day on, they went about not only not just fishing, but they went out to serve the purpose in the kingdom of God. And I'm not saying you have to leave your workplace to follow Jesus. What I am saying is that when you get this, when you realize that when God is in your boat, you see everything through new eyes. You see everything that you do as being a disciple of Jesus. You see everything that you do as being sent there by God, used by God for his purpose and his glory. Whether you're a school teacher, whether you're a stay-at-home mum, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a mechanic, whatever it is that you do, you're used for the glory of God. And he's saying, God, I will do what you've called me to do. Their lives were changed from that day on because they let Jesus into their boat. Imagine if Simon had said, get another boat, mate. I'm going home. Imagine how different that story would be. But his response was not that. His response was to let Jesus in. And I want to come to a, a finish today. But I want us to be thinking about that. Is Jesus, is there room for Jesus? Is he allowed in our boat? Would we be prepared to try again, to try new things, to follow his voice and his leading? If Jesus goes where he's invited, is he invited everywhere in every part of your life? In this moment, I want us to just, just stop and pause. 
And if you're here today and you don't know who Jesus is, you've never made a decision to give your life to him. You've never allowed him to step into your boat, into your world, into your circumstance, into your life, and let him not only be a passenger. You know, Simon didn't just let Jesus in as a passenger and say, yeah, I'll take you for a ride on my boat. He let him in and he let him have control. He let Jesus dictate where he went. He let Jesus dictate what he did. And that's what it is when you become a Christian. You let Jesus into your world and you say, Jesus, you become my captain. You become my Lord and my Savior. You become the person who I follow and I obey. Because it's not about me or my will anymore, but it's now about you and what you want for my life. And you surrender control to Him and you allow Him into your world. And if you're here this morning and you've never done that, today would be a great day to do it. It's not an accident that you're here sitting in church this morning, but it's an opportunity right now to let Jesus into your world, to let Him into your boat to let him into your circumstance and your situation and do what Jesus did for Simon in this story. Show you his goodness. Show you his abundance. Show you his miraculous power at work through mundane situations and circumstances and transform and change your life. I want us all to close our eyes across this room this morning. I just want to give you a little bit of privacy because if you are here this morning and you'd like to make that decision, a decision to follow Jesus, a decision to allow Him into your world, into your boat, then I want you to simply just raise your hand right now so that I can see it because I would love to pray with you this morning. I want to give you an opportunity today to respond to Jesus. It's like He's standing on that shore and He's looking at your life and He's looking at your world and your situation and He's saying, I want to be in on that. I want to come in. I want to help you. I want to do life with you. I want to be your best friend. I want to be your Lord and your Saviour but you've got to let him in. Maybe you've let him in before, but at the moment you've, you've kicked him out. Or he's there, but he's just a, a passenger. Maybe today is the day where you say, no, I want to make you my Lord and my Saviour, my Captain. Your will be done in my life. If there's anyone here this morning, now's your opportunity to raise your hand. If you're not ready to raise your hand, but you want to come and talk to me after the service, I'd love to chat with you. And my prayer is if you don't know God this morning, that you would not be able to walk out of this place without having a conversation, without at least asking some questions, finding out more about who He is and the difference He can make in our life. You know, our final thought, church, just keep your eyes closed. In this story, when they started to experience this great catch of fish, it says that it was too big for them alone. They had to call out for help for others to come and help them with the load. And I think that's a picture of, of us as a church. We can't do this on our own. I can't do it on my own. The team, we can't do it on our own. I said earlier that church is something that you participate in, not just go to experience. But I really believe that God is calling you individually about different areas of life, of ministry, of relationships that He wants you to try again in. And my prayer is that you would not wait to count me in Sunday to start asking God, God, how, where can I be involved? But God, start to speak to me here, now. Put things on my heart. Show me areas that you want me to be involved in, in the community, in the places where God's already placed you. What opportunities are there for you to be used by Him? 
I'm not talking about just filling a roster here at church. I'm talking about being led by the Holy Spirit when you're in church, when you're in community, when you're in home, when you're in work, wherever you are. Just being prepared to let Jesus into your boat, to let Him lead you, direct you. I pray this morning for anyone here that is discouraged, disappointed, hurt, let down, ready to quit, give up and go home. Pray that right now, Lord God, that you would speak to them. That Holy Spirit, you would draw them to go out in the boat again, to fish again, to go deeper than they've ever gone before, to be listening to your voice, Holy Spirit. God, we claim that word over our church today, a second wind, a a freedom to breathe again, a new energy, a new strength to do the things that you've called us to do. We thank you, God, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard what you have in store for us. And God, we just say you are welcome in this place. You are invited into our life. You are invited to our heart. And you have complete permission to do what you want to do in us and through us. We thank you, Jesus, for the things you're going to do in your name. Amen. Amen. I'm done. Good job. Good job. I like preaching like that. Do you? Prophetic preaching, it gives me a buzz. Good job, Lottie. Very good. Well, it's coffee time.